you are to remember this. You are to remember that I don't have to be the same. I don't have to be stuck where I've been for a long time. I don't have to listen to the lie of the enemy because the Bible says he makes all things new. You see, God, God's in the business of refreshing, reviving. He's interested in healing you. doesn't matter where you've been. Because, you know, one of the things that we need to realize is that we are in a spiritual battle right now. And how many of you know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to magnify problems. He wants to magnify your past. He wants to magnify the issues at hand. And what God wants to do is remind you of who you are. He wants to remind you of your future. And your future is bright. Your future has hope. This is not hype. This is the Word of God. Now, Jesus said something to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And he said this. He said, before he ascended, he said, Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with what? Power. Everyone say power. power. Say it again. Power. power. Now, he's not talking about just the gifts of the Spirit. He's not just talking about just the ability for you to be happy. Now, he wants that eternal life, the life of the Father, the life of the Son, to be so empowered in your mind, your heart, your will, your vision. Even the Bible says if the same Spirit that dwells in you, that raised Christ from the dead, even your body is going to be quickened. Now, one of the things that we have to do is we have to shake ourselves. There's this some times that we just have to shake ourselves. You know, uh, my wife and I, we've uh, uh, made a decision this past week about some things in our own personal life and even in our own marriage. And what I'm talking about is, is not necessarily relevant to you. But for us to make the decision that we've made this week, it's just a, it's just a, a particular decision in our own marriage, it's just some things that we have set as far as goals. One thing that Carol and I realized, in order for us to move forward, we're going to have to let go of some things in the past. I'm going to have to learn to let some things go. We're going to have to make a shift in our particular values and what we like and what we don't like. It's going to involve a lifestyle change. See, Christianity was not intended to be something you just wear a hat on Sunday. Christianity was something to be a lifestyle. God wants there to be a lifestyle because He wants you to live that exceedingly, abundantly, above kind of life. Amen? So my question to you this morning is, why are you here? What on earth are you here for? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did He wash you from your sins? Why did He baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire and with power? It's because there is something so mighty inside of you. There's something so powerful that you carry with you that literally can, and I've said this, I know I've said it many, many times in the past several months, and I know you're, some of you may be tired of me hearing it, but the Lord wants you to realize that you have power, you have life, you have eternal life in you right now. And there's some things that are shifting. God's wanting us to stop waiting for when we all get to heaven. He wants us to realize that we carry heaven right now. You have a powerful word. You have the power to bring life and to help people over some huge problems in their life. You're a problem solver. You're a history maker. You, you are an amazing friend. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you're an amazing friend. There's something about your friendship. There's something about the life that you possess. Because you know what, you know what kind of a friend you are? You're a man, you're a woman of integrity. You're a man and a woman that literally possesses the power and the spirit of the Godhead. You're not a person that's insecure. You're not just a follower, you're a leader. You're dynamic. You have creative genius in life because the very Spirit of God rests upon you. You have the spirit of excellence upon you. Amen? This past week, I went up and I was doing some jail ministry and I uh, and you, we all know this brother. He's part of our spiritual family, Bo Jarnigan. Uh, he's being sentenced, by the way, uh, in September 1st for some things that's happened in his life. And uh, he, he actually told me this, and he said, Pastor Ray, I want you to tell my church family about this. He's been very open. He's wanted, he's wanted you to know where things are at. By the way, just it's, 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 it's very sad for me to say this, but none of his family has even written him one letter. He's been in jail since September, and I have been the only person who has seen him. There's been only two people that have written him. Actually, some of our men have written him, but he only gets a couple of letters from some of us here in the church body. But he, he, he told me that his lawyer finally came up. In fact, his lawyer hasn't even been up to see him uh, ever since January, and we're already in August right now. But his lawyer said that, Ray, I'm, I'm looking at 12 to 15 years and he has to serve about 85 percent of his time but he said this he said Ray the last time you were up to see me which was a couple weeks ago he said this when you came up to see me he says I was so depressed because I'm in an 18 by 25 foot cell with eight other prisoners and we're here we we were in there 24 7 we only get to come out of that cell two times a week for 20 minute breaks and he says, when I get to come outside, he says I, I, he says, I haven't seen a tree for almost nine to ten months. He says, all I can do is look up into a blue sky. He says, I, don't, I can't see mountains. I can't see trees. We're in this, uh, this uh, private, particular federal prison up in Bonham here in Texas. And he said this, I was so depressed, just the sense and feeling of anxiety. And, and even just, why, why should I even live? But he says, Ray, when you came up to me, he says, you, you begin to give me a word that my heavenly Father has even directed my steps, even through my failure, even through the, the wrong decisions I've made. How many of you believe that God can take what Satan meant for evil and turn it around for good? And see, he, he, he said, even though I've made decisions, and he said, Ray, I never realized that God the Father has a purpose in my life, even though he never had a father. He, he does have a father, he does have a mother, but he says, my parents, even to this very present de- date, are drug addicts. In fact, he told me that when he was young, being raised, he told me this, he said, I used to get up when I was eight years old, and I remember going to the cupboard and getting Captain Crunch, and he said, we didn't even have milk in our own refrigerator. I ate dry Captain Crunch while my parents were all sprawled out in the living room with some of their other friends, and they had been wasted on drugs because they had, uh, had partied all night. He says, Ray, th- this happened days without end. I never had a family. I never had parents. I never had relatives that lived apart from the whole drug culture. And so I was raised in that kind of environment. And he says, when the Lord came and 
begin to show me that I had purpose, I realized that I did not really take it serious about renewing my mind. Even though Jesus had come into his heart, he says, I never really washed my mind and my heart in the Word of the Lord. How many of you know that that if you're going to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to begin to feed your faith. You need to feed your mind. You need to renew your mind. You need to stay close to Jesus. Let me tell you something. There are forces right now, there are powers right now that are coming upon the face of the earth. And if you don't realize it, it's happening. There's an assault on our families right now. Do you believe that? There's assault on our values right now. I was talking to someone on the phone even this past week. It's amazing how so many people in our own American culture has become so desensitized even towards human life. There's no sense of honor, no sense of respect. There's no problem with people just fighting, harassing, slandering, gossiping. Let me tell you what that's called, folks. It's called the gates of hell. You see, when a nation begins to turn its back on God, it opens the gates of hell, and every form of demonic activity begins to come into our homes, our marriages, it begins to come into our schools, our young people become vulnerable and victims, even by this undercurrent that is coming. I'm not saying that to you in any way, shape, or form for you to be afraid. But I am letting you know that as the Apostle Paul, as Jesus said that in the last days, there is going to be an assault against the church, against Christians. Jesus talked about the darkness and the light that is going to clash. Revelations chapter 13 also talks about the, these spirits, unclean spirits from the sea and from the dry land that will come out and begin to assault the nations. In its attempt is to overthrow the church. Its attempt is to bring a charge and to assault the believer around the world. We're we're seeing this even right now. But I, I want you to know the church is winning. I want you to know that light always overcomes darkness. I want you to realize that you have the keys of the kingdom. The one thing that the devil wants, the one thing that the devil wants is you to believe that you have no effectiveness. The devil wants you to think that you're just some kind of a little Christian here, biding time, waiting uh, for Jesus to come. There, there is a much higher purpose. He wants you, the devil doesn't want you to understand that you have keys to open doors and to shut doors, that you have the word of faith nigh even in your mouth. He doesn't want you to realize that you have the power to bring healing to the sick and encouragement to those who have no hope. And so this morning, as a, as a pastor... One of the things the Lord has been laying on my heart, and that is the renewing of our minds. It is to empower us concerning our sense of identity and who we are and what we possess in Jesus' name. And he's asking us to make a shift. I know one thing, Pastor Ray, I do not want to go back to where I used to be. I don't want to think the way you, I don't want to be limited. I don't want to limit God. I don't want to limit what the Holy Spirit can do through me. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at this, this, this concept of the spirit of adoption again this morning because I want us to really captivate and grasp and wrap our minds around what God has provided for us. Because when you begin to know who you are, you are armed and dangerous.
Turn to your neighbor and say, did you know you're dangerous? Amen. You're not just good looking and pretty. You are dangerous. Say this to your neighbor. You're powerful. You possess some supernatural weapons. There are some supernatural weapons in your arsenal this morning. And we're going to learn to use those things. Jump with me in your Bibles to 1 John. I want you to see something. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 or verse 17. We're going to jump to four different areas of Scripture. And we're going to move very quickly this morning. Notice what it says. Love has been perfected among us in that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in in heaven. That's not what it says, is it? As He is, so are we where? In the world. As He is, so are we. Well, Well, how is He? Who is He? Where is He? The Bible says He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that Jesus has been glorified. John 17 tells us that the Father gave glory to the Son and Jesus was united with the Father. Jesus' prayer in John 17 was that they might be one even as we are one. Do you know that you've been united with victory? You've been united with a new nature? You may say, well, Pastor Ray, I still have old habit patterns and old problems and I I still got a, a bad mouth and my thinking's all wrong. Well, here's the problem. You haven't renewed your mind to the new nature and the new character that God has provided for you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says here, it starts off, and it says, For as He is, so are we in the world. Verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love what? Casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect. We love Him because He first loved us. Everyone say, I am loved. Now that's so important because the foundation for change is love. It's not rules. It's not works. It's not coming to church. It's not a new leaf. The foundation of your transformation is understanding the power of your Heavenly Father's love for you. I'll never forget at a youth camp several years ago, I had a youth pastor come up to me and say, Ray, I want you to speak this morning to 300 young people. I want you to share. And I looked at him and said, why Why me? Why would you ask me to speak? I've never preached in my life. My dad's not even a preacher. He says, the the anointing, the power of God. When he told me these things, they were so far beyond my level of comprehension. And his name was Pastor Bradley. Pastor Bradley said, Ray, God's hand is on you for great things in your life. And I said, what? I think you've got the wrong God. How many here have ever received a word from God and you really thought somebody missed it? Don't raise your hand. But I want you to understand something. Your eyes haven't seen. Your ears have not heard. It hasn't even entered into your heart the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. God has something so far greater for you, and you've got to begin to enlarge. Everyone say enlarge. I need to enlarge. Now the first thing, jump back with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 this morning. Notice the Apostle Paul is dealing with a church that's entrapped into the very spirit of religion. And what he's doing, he's trying to get this church of Galatians back on track. And he says this, chapter 4, verse 6, And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
There's a cry. One of the things about a true son is you can't shut up. A true son is not afraid. He's, he understands there's something different. There's something powerful. There's a cry inside of you. It is supernatural. You're not, you're not just normal. You're not natural. One of the things, I was talking to a young man this past week who's dealing with some issues in his own life from the past, and I'm telling you, I want you to understand, the devil wants you to continually rehearse and recycle and rethink about things that you've come out of and what you were from and where your parents used to be and where you've come from. I want you to know that Jesus has raised you, seated you with Christ in heavenly places, and He's come to coronate and crown you with an understanding that you are a king and you're a priest with the living God. You'll start thinking like kings. Everyone say, you're royal. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're royal. There's royalty in you. You're not, you're not in poverty. You're not poor. You're not trying to get by. You're not, you're not this enough Christian. Well, I just got to have enough. No, there's royalty. There's power. There's riches. There's wealth. There's life. There's power for change inside of you right now. Not only that, he's made you holy. Some of you this week, you've fallen on your face. You've blown it. Some of you have gone out and you've... You've got your garments filthy. The Lord spoke to me this morning in prayer that some people have got their garments filthy and they, they don't understand that if they would come boldly to the throne of grace, they would obtain mercy in the time of need. God, God is so willing to wash. He's so willing to cleanse. He's so willing to empower. He's more willing. He's so excited. He is, our Heavenly Father is so energized because of what Jesus has done to empower you with righteousness and with holiness and with confidence so you will no longer be, be defeated and think like a victim as you, as you might have done for such a long time. But notice what else here. Jump back with me to chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. God, it says that God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Oh, verse 7. Let me go back to chapter 4, verse 7. I forgot. Therefore you are no longer a slave... But a son, and of a son, therefore an heir of God through Christ. In other words, I'm not thinking like a slave. How do, th- how do slaves think? Slaves think like victims. Slaves constantly focus on what has happened to them in the negative, in that negative reality. A son understands that they have been empowered and enriched they have an inheritance. They are, they are in the likeness of their heavenly Father. Sons possess likeness. Sons possess authority. Sons possess an inheritance. Sons possess that dynamic that the Father has in his own power. Do you know that you have the power to create and to bring change into situations that, that are full of, full of the devil? You have, not only that, sons are leaders. You're a leader. You're an influence. There's something powerful about you. You may say, oh, Pastor Ray, you're just hyping us this morning. No, I'm not hyping you. I'm giving you the Word of God. Because you know what? Until you begin to understand and believe what God's Word says, you'll continually to live as this mediocre, 
non-effective believer, always thinking, well, the devil's after me. He's, he's coming after me, and I, I'm just a victim, and, man, people are picking on me, and I, I just can't seem to get a breakthrough, and I just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not a very good actor, but, but, but I, I just got to tell you, God wants us to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. He wants you to understand that you're a son. And notice what else here. Let's jump back to chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you that have been, what? Everyone say baptized. Baptism is important. For as many that have been baptized, baptized into Christ have Put on Christ. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, your baptism in water, was not just to get you wet, was not just to give you a certificate. Your baptism was a coronation. Your baptism was an entrance into the kingdom where the curse of slavery was broken off your life. You've been brought into royalty, brought into the kingdom. You have been coronated as sons and daughters, and you have a rightful inheritance. You have rights. You have rights to be sons and daughters into the riches of His grace where you are blessed far above principality and power where He crowns you with loving kindness, where He anoints your mind, your eyes. He anoints your heart. You begin to possess the very nature, the creative power, the very influence of your Heavenly Father. The Bible says He baptizes and fills you all in all. He fills all in all. Everything about me is filled. My wife and I, even this past week, as we were praying in our own home, this coming month, my wife and I, we're going to be having a, another backyard barbecue where we're inviting our community over to our house. We're going to have a lot of different kind of people. Many of them are not believers. And one of the things that we're going to do is we're just going to love these people. We're going to give them free barbecue. We're going to bless them. We're going to let them know that we are so honored to have them as our neighbors. The reason why Carol and I are doing that is not so we can build our church numbers here. I know we'd love to have a, a larger church, but that's not the point. The reason that we're doing that is because we want to see Jesus glorified in their lives. They need to understand that Jesus has paid a price to break off chains, to destroy the powers of darkness, to destroy this what we call generational curses that makes them continue in these cycles of defeat that they're constantly in. And to begin to renew a vision. Everyone say vision. One thing about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you begin to see yourself. Not some weak beggar, some just weak, timid individual that's just hanging on. You see yourself as mighty in God pulling down strongholds. There's sword. There's a sword. There's the, the weapon of, of, of righteousness, the, the, the garments of righteousness, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation has to do with a, the kind of supernatural thinking that you begin to possess. Do You see, God intends for us, and by the way, this doesn't come necessarily easy it takes time 
but even in my own thinking, the Lord's been transforming, working within me. He says, Ray, I want you to stop coming to me like I'm just God. I want you to begin to relate to me as your father. I want you to start realizing you're my son, I'm your father. And so when I come to the Lord, I say, hi, Dad. Everyone say that this morning, hi, Dad. Say, hi, Father. Instead of saying, oh, high and reverent one, oh, God, Father. God wants you to begin to relax and enjoy the journey and really understand that he, when you come before him in his presence, this is why he says in Hebrews 4.19, when you come, you're to come boldly in his presence. You're to come with a sense of expectancy because he really wants to be with you. Do you know your heavenly father longs to be with you? He enjoys you. Do you know that you give him joy? You give him joy. He takes great delight in you. Turn to your neighbor right now. He says, he delights in you. Oh, now turn and say it again like you meant it. Amen. He really delights in you. You, you. you thrill his heart. You thrill the heart of the Father. You are such a delight in you. You may have passed away. I, 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 I've never heard of this. I, all I've ever been told is how wrong I am and I don't have enough fear of God in me and I've done so many things wrong and, and I've got issues in my life and I haven't repented enough and I feel so guilty and so full of shame. Well, that's a lie from the enemy. I'm here to introduce to you the power of the gospel. I'm here to introduce to you the kind of life, abundant life, that Jesus intends for you to live. You are not a loser. You are not weak. You are not a victim. God has come to empower you with the grace of God. And it's that grace that is really beholding the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. But here, let's jump back also where it says here, jump back with me to James chapter 5. I want you to see some things this morning. James, or I'm sorry, John chapter 5. Remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago when we were in this session about this, the spirit of adoption. I want you to remember, adoption has nothing to do with the way Americans think adoption is. Today when we, when we adopt a child, we bring someone who may not necessarily be our biological child, we bring them into our home. But adoption in the Bible, in the New Testament, first century, had nothing to do with bringing a child in because they were non-biological or because you wanted just to bring a child in because you felt sorry for them or to, to bring them into your family. It had nothing to do with that. Adoption in the first century had to do when a son who was born in the house. He'd come through the years of, of, uh, of uh, puberty and through the years of adolescence and then puberty and where he had been developed and come to the age of development in his relationship with his heavenly father where his father now takes his son and brings him and makes a public declaration and a public awareness or a public whether it be before a village a city or usually the elders of the gate of a city by the way do you know that jesus had himself on his baptism listen to me at jesus baptism in one sense was that form of adoption that was even on jesus let me explain what happened when jesus was baptized in matthew chapter 3 and mark 2 you know what happened it said a voice came from heaven, and that voice said, This is my beloved Son in whom, what? 
I am well pleased. And then John saw the Spirit descending as a dove from heaven, lighting upon him. And then it says, the heavens were open, and he heard a voice. That's what happens during the adoption of a son. It's when a son is brought with his father, stands next to his father before the city elders of a village or a gate or a city. It is there where the father begins to make certain declarations. Number one, this is my son. My son in whom I love very much. I am so proud. I'm letting all of you folks know that my son, who stands with me, and I stand with pride. I stand in a strong relationship. I have now delivered unto him the farm. I have now given to him authority. His word is my word. The decisions and judgments he makes, I stand behind it. When the father would make this this proclamation and declaration to all the leaders as this adoption, it was called, the, the actual phrase for adoption was called son placing or the placing of a son. A son who now comes, who is now brought forward, brought forth, standing with the father, who now becomes partner in the inheritance. Now the interesting thing from this point on, the father begins to work is in this close relationship with his son as he is transferring wealth, authority. He is transferring an affirming and favor into his son, but he does it publicly. Everyone say publicly. I want you to understand water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that is to be done publicly. Because it's not just about getting wet and going down and coming up in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. What God is doing here is He is making a public announcement about the way you are going to conduct yourself from here on out. In other words, the heavens are open with you, by you, they stand behind you. Now notice here in John chapter 5, I want you to see it in John chapter 5. Notice what happens and you're going to see this connection. Verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Verse 17, And Jesus answered them, said, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but because he called that God was his father, making him equal with God. Therein Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things. See, this is, this is the adoption. This is the transfer that is taking place. He himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you might marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to those whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. This is what happens during adoption. It's committed all judgment to the Son. Powerful. Such a powerful truth here. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And he who does not honor the Son does not honor the 
Father, I want you to write five things down really quickly, and I'm going to close. I know I'm really over my time right now, but I want you to write five things that is transferred during the spirit of adoption. Number one, union. Notice what Jesus here said in James or John chapter 5. He says, for the Father has been working until now, and I have been working. Let me tell you something about sons. Sons are working. But it's not a kind of work that involves a sweat or a labor. It's the kind of work that brings life. Do you know that there's a work in the kingdom of God that brings healing and life? And it's the kind of work. How many here have ever enjoyed a job you do? Do you know that that's called the blessing of the Lord? The Bible says that sons are working. It says that the son is working and the father is working. One thing about slaves and orphans, they don't work. They're lazy. But sons work. Sons are working, but they're not working for a wage because they know that they have all things. The second thing that they have is the father's heart of love for people. Sons inherit the father's heart. It says, for as the father loves the son. One sign that you're a true son and daughter is you love what the father loves. You love what he loves. And guess what he loves? He loves people. How many here love people? You know, one of the signs that you're a true son is you love people. You love to help people. You love to be a blessing to people. That's a sign of sonship. The third thing here is the spirit of revelation. Sons walk in the spirit of revelation. It says that the father here in verse 20, father shows him all things that he himself does and he will even show him greater works that you might marvel. In other words, he's saying this. You carry such an anointing. You carry such supernatural power that you're going to cause people to admire the Lord. People are going to admire. They're going to mar- Do you know that we're supposed to have that same spirit that draws people to a place where they say, I want what you have. There's something about you that's attractive. There's something about you that is powerful and impacting. The third thing here, and I know I'm moving really quickly, is authority. Everyone say authority. The Bible says that the Father has given the Son authority to make judgment. You need to understand that when the devil comes and knocks you off your horse, you need to rise up and say, I have authority in Jesus' name. I need to begin to rebuke some devils. When my home is being assaulted, I need to rise up and say, Satan, I rebuke you. Jesus has given me authority, and I rebuke the powers of hell in my house. I rebuke the powers of hell over my mind. I rebuke the powers of hell in the sickness in my body. In Jesus' name, my body was created in his image, and my body will give glory to the Lord. You have power. You have authority because you're sons. You are not slaves. You have been crowned, you've been coronated, you have been baptized, you have an open heavens on your life, and the Bible says you have influence. The same influence that Jesus had. Jesus said he didn't call us a bunch of basket heads. He called us to be sons and light of the world. Jesus said a person who has light doesn't put a basket over his head. There's so many Christians today, they're walking basket heads. They've got baskets on their head. They're ashamed to let the light shine. How about let's letting our light shine, amen? We're going to let our light shine. The, third, or the fourth thing here was authority. The fifth thing is that a son begins to walk in the spirit of honor and respect. One thing about sons, 
is even when they're mistreated, even when they're reviled, they do not revile. You see, when you're walking in the spirit of honor, in the spirit of the Son, Jesus was able to hang on the cross even when his bride had brutally crucified him. He said, Father, forgive her. She doesn't know what she's doing. I love this woman. I love her, Lord. I know you have great things for her. See, that's what a son does. A son walks in the power of honor. You know what it means to honor someone? It means you believe them. It means that you believe the best about them. It means your expectation is always good. It doesn't mean that you're looking back. Well, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor Ray. There's too many things I just can't forget. Well, see, when you think like that, what you're doing is you're thinking like a slave. Because, see, slaves are slaves because they feel subjected to things that have happened in their life and not realizing that Jesus paid a price so that you would no longer become victims of things that have happened to you. In fact, what God takes out of your life, he turns it around and brings you to a place where he elevates, he promotes you, he sets you on high. Like Joseph, the Bible says when he stood before his brothers, it says that what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so we, we, we understand I could spend so much more time on the spirit of honor and trust to rule and judge in righteous judgment. By the way, I want to just, I have to say this. I hear so many people say this. Well, we're not supposed to judge. Judge not lest you be not ju- lest you judge. I, I want to just say something right now. That's not what the Bible teaches. We are not to condemn people, obviously. But God tells his believers you are to judge righteous judgment. You are to discern things. There needs to be a voice in the land where someone says, this is sin. This is wrong. This is right. We need fathers and mothers in their home discerning the difference between the clean and the unclean, between holy and what is holy, what is wrong and what is right. We need leaders in our homes. That's making judgment. There's this concept of tolerance in our community today. This concept of tolerance. Well, I'm, I'm just going to kind of step back and let God, I'm just going to let God reveal it to them. That's an excuse. That's an excuse because you're afraid to count the cost. God wants you now. I'm not suggesting that we're condescending. We're not to belittle people, even in their sin, even when they're wrong. We're to love, but we can say this. There's been many times, even when I've had to deal, deal or confront By the way, sons are confrontational, but they do it in love. And when we do it in love, we do it in a way that honors and reveres and respects them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. Jesus confronted his disciples, and he did it in love. God has called us to honor. The last thing is this, that a son has a giving nature. Sons give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. One thing about a son is a giving nature. There's something about sons, they love to give. They love to sacrifice. They love to serve. Because you know what? You're a son. Slaves are takers. 
Slaves only get. I work for what I can get. What am I going to get out of this? What's in it for me? That's the mind of a slave. But a son says, you know what? I'm interested in living a life that pleases my father. I want to serve. I want to give. Because their greatest joy is giving because that's where the greatest blessing comes from. Isn't it amazing? When you begin to give, when you begin to serve, guess what happens? Your life becomes full and rich. But when you begin, we live in a world today that thinks about what I can get, what's in it for me, my rights. Guess what? That's how you become lean. That's how you become empty. That's how you live a shallow life. But God has called us to be sons, kings, and priests. Shall we bow our heads this morning? You bow your heads this morning. I know I was moving quite fast this morning, but I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, Ray, this church is beginning to raise up a generation of champions, a generation of sons and daughters. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Do you stand to your feet this morning? Maybe you might say, you know, Pastor Ray, I realize now that I have allowed myself to become so small-minded. I've subjected my, I've been subjected to some things, and I've allowed life to just make me narrow-minded. I've become narrow-minded in my living, in my believing, and I know God wants to bring me into a large place, a large place of favor and blessing. And right now, some of us may this morning, you may feel that you have been squeezed Some of you might even feel that you have been just limited and subjected to things that are actually just taking the breath out of you. This morning, I I just, just sense this morning that the Holy Spirit just wants to breathe afresh on you to reinvigorate your sense of sonship before your Heavenly Father. You're not weak. You're not to look at yourself. You're not to identify yourself as just a poor, weak victim. Jesus paid the price to clothe our nakedness, to cover us with his precious blood, to redeem us from all unrighteousness. Maybe this morning you may say, Pastor Ray, my faith has been standing on shaky ground. I'm just, I I need to be baptized afresh. I need a vision. I need my heart to be renewed this morning. One thing I even forgot to share this morning, one thing about a son is he brings dead things back to life. The father raises the dead. Sons speak to the dead. They bring the dead back to life. If you're a son, you don't live with the dead things. You don't hang around dead things. Slaves hang around dead things. They possess a dead thought life. They possess and they... they, they, They continually associate with things that lean towards death, division. But sons are always quickened to speak life into that which is dead. Maybe this morning you may say, Pastor Ray, I need some resurrection life. I need the life of God in me. I need that fire. My fire has gone out this morning. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you right now. Go ahead, raise your hand in Jesus' name. Anyone else? Anyone else? I need life. Amen. I see your hands. Father, I thank you for the honesty. I thank you for the integrity because, Lord, all of us have been there. All of us, Lord, have fallen short, come short of your best. 
But Lord, this morning you come to empower your people, to encourage us, Lord, to rise above the mediocre, just the ordinary, to become supernatural. Lord, to become extraordinary men, women, who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could even ask or think according to the power that dwells in us. Lord, I just ask you this morning, Lord, for an open heavens upon your people. Lord, just open the, the windows of heaven. Will you take your neighbor by the hand just this morning? Take your neighbor by the hand this morning. The Bible says that Job, when he prayed for his friends, it says the Lord turned his captivity. I, as you hold the hand of your neighbor, I want you to ask the Lord right now to reveal the identity of a son and daughter into them. Just, Lord, reveal that and affirm that sense of identity. Reveal and quicken their minds, Lord, this morning according to the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, let the truth of who they are and what they possess, Lord, become a reality to them. Lord, let this day be a day of a fresh beginning. Lord, as we walk in victory and realize that we have the power to impart vision, life, and healing to those that we come in contact. The past is behind us. The future is ahead of us. Lord, we thank you that you've come to bless us with your presence. You've come to ignite us with the joy of the Lord. And everyone said? Turn to someone and give them a hug in Jesus' name. Bless them this morning.